Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this episode of the In Lockdown With podcast with me, Kim Gerald, and today my guest is someone who I haven't caught up with for a very long time. And something that's been lovely about doing these podcasts is to be able to catch up with people who you haven't seen, who you haven't spoken to, just because we've got more time during lockdown. Today, my guest is Darren Tambin, who joins us from the northeast. Hiya, Darren. How's it going? Hi, Kieran. It's going good. How are you? I'm good. So, so the last time we kind of properly spoke, like verbally, was in 2012, just after we did the rickshaw challenge together, wasn't it? Can you believe that was eight yeah. years ago? Uh, eight years. It's definitely it's such a long time ago. It's uh, it seems crazy. I mean, like, considering like so much has happened in them eight years, mm. it's, it's absolutely mad. And and that's kind of why I wanted to ask you on to try and because I know you've been doing creative stuff recently. I wanted to catch up with you to find out what all the cool stuff you've been doing since. But it's really good to see you, man. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. How have, have you been coping with this coronavirus? Um, I think maybe just the same as everyone else, you know, with um, you know, wearing your mask, yeah. and, like trying to sanitise as much as possible. I think it it takes more of a mental toll though with uh, people's mental health. I think um, you know, it's uh, you you gotta you gotta make sure you know you you're talking to people a lot of the time on social media yeah. and those other things like that. It's um, it's it, it, it it's hard, but then again, you know. At least you know we're not as vulnerable as some some other people who you know might have to self isolate. So, yeah. Like you just memorise that you know certain people have it worse than you do. Exactly. And can you imagine if we didn't have Zoom, if we didn't have social media, we would be so isolated. <laughs> we'd be we'd be sending everyone uh, actual letters. Yeah. <laughs> to a postman. You'd, uh, <laughs> but. But it's great that we've got this technology that we can do this now. Oh, def- definitely. It's, uh, it, it's, it, it, it's really good. I mean, um, so I'm, I'm going to be doing some uh, Zoom workshops as well. Yeah. Like, through drama. So it means that, you know, we have the technology to do it. So we might, we might, as, well, we might as well use it. And it's just adapting it to mm. different people's needs, really. I'm going to talk to you a bit about that later. But what I want to ask you first is... How did you get interested in theatre and the arts in the first place? 
Um, I think it was through the charity useful vision that I do some work with. So basically, um, we did like workshops and little drama things and that um, over the summer holidays and different ones. Yeah. We've had um, all sorts of different workshops, different practitioners coming in and and uh, teaching us. And these was just like blind charity helps uh, visually impaired children and their families, gives them days out or gives them fun things to do. And it's really like yeah. a network opportunity for different people. So, um, so yeah, there was loads of great drama workshops growing up, and then I, I figured, you know, um, after doing that, I can do it at school, and then um, uh, and then after school, I took a bit of a break from it because I didn't think maybe I could do it at um, college because, like, the kind of singing and the dancing yeah. kind of scared me a bit because most of the courses that they offered were performing arts courses rather than just straight drama. Yeah. But, um, yeah, then I got into... Um, so at college I did all sorts of different stuff and then eventually came back to drama and I was like you know what I'm, I'm just I'm just gonna do it. I'm only here once let's let, 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 let's try so I did I did the I, I did a course at New College Durham yeah um, for two years and absolutely loved it and then I went on to do it at university for three years and I've just literally just graduated so what was uh, it was yeah. it a difficult decision to make to come back to it after having that time away um, I think it was, yeah, you, you're right, it was, because um, basically I thought that maybe computing would, would, would be a good idea. Well, actually, first of all, I started off during catering, hospitality course. Yeah. So I put, you know, like cooking and, and, serving, and serving people and things like that. But, um, and and then, I, then I did IT. But all of that was at Newcastle College, and then I was thinking, I really don't want to go to Newcastle College again after after doing, um, you know, after spending four years of my life there, because I did one year catering hospitality. I did a foundation out of um, IT, and then I did another two years B-Tech IT, so I really didn't want to go back to the same college again, yeah. and, and that really scared me, so then I thought, oh, well, where, what other colleges are nearby that I can, that I can go to, and then yeah. I, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll go to Durham College, because that's to see where my parents are, and, yeah. and I, I was already moved, moved out by then, but um, yeah, I was thinking definitely, um, it, it was very scary going going back to drama because I was thinking everyone would be so much better than me mm. and, and, and all and all this but um you know I, I after auditioning like I, I figured that everyone's starting at the same level and even though people might have done drama before I've still done drama with useful vision and I've still yeah I still got a bit of experience and you know the whole point of the drama course is that you actually you gain the experience you, you're not you're not going in with all this experience nobody does and no. you get to which I think that was really comforting. And if there are people there with more experience, you will learn from them, and you will take something from them which will benefit you in terms of going forward as a performer, I guess. Yeah, I think everyone definitely learns something too. I mean, uh, even even at university, because um, someone might not study the same thing you have, and yeah. vice versa, so you can, you can all learn from each other, definitely. I think that's definitely something that, you know, is... Um, really really true and as you've just said you studied a BA in applied theatre at Northumbria University can you just for people who might not know can you kind of briefly explain what the concept of applied theatre is okay so applied theatre is a little bit different and it's actually a bit of a um, 
journey getting into it because at first I thought I was going to university, I was determined I'm going to be an actor, this is yeah. what I want to do, this is, this is what I really want to do. But then um, we had three taster sessions at, at the beginning of uni to choose, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, sorry. I'm Corona. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, we, we had, three, ta- we had three, three weeks where each week we'd do a different pathway. So there are three pathways, one script writing, um, one is drama and performance, and the other one is obviously applied theatre. Yeah. So I, I tried a lot of them, and then as soon as I learned more about applied theatre, it really kind of grabbed me because um, doing lots of work with Usual Vision and, 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 and their kind of aspect towards drama, it's a bit like that, and it's a bit what they do, because applied theatre is like helping people in okay. um, drama, it's facilitating other people's drama needs, so you might, you might be working with people with disabilities in drama, you might be working with old people in drama, you might be working with prisons or people in yeah. schools or all sorts of different walks like people who need help basically getting into the arts. Uh, and I thought because I had uh, um, a bit of a time getting into the arts myself, and especially especially in school I think as well, um, it was a bit harder for me getting into it. Okay. Because of my vision impairment and, and uh, I just thought, you know what, that sounds like a really, a really good worthwhile thing. So. Um, yeah, but it's, it basically the whole thing around it is facilitation. What works best for some some group of people might not be mm. what works best for others, and it's all about adapting, adapting your style of drama and your your style of uh, facilitation to to fit the different um, sort of communities that you might be working. Okay, with. and so are you kind of using drama as a social tool? to create change for those communities or to help them access drama? Is it like a kind of tool that you can use to help those communities? Well, I, I think it definitely is. And there's loads of great projects out there that are doing that at the moment. Uh, the Lone Moor Theatre Company is a company based in the, in the North East and I actually did a placement with them at university. And what, we, what, what, um, what, what they do is they um, take people with learning disabilities. Right. And um, like, so uh, I think like young adults and um, even older, they, um, they use that as a platform for political change. So okay. um, it, it can be like different types of forum theater where, um, you, you know, it's definitely can be a platform to change, but also I think it can be a platform for education purposes mm. as well. And not, not, not only about that. So it doesn't matter what the what the play or what the performance is about. It doesn't have to be about disability or what you no. preach. Because at the end of the day, people will still see people who are from a different community. They'll still see them doing this drama, this amazing work, and they'll be thinking, oh well, maybe maybe people with this condition or maybe people from mm. this type of community do have a lot of things to offer because they can put on an amazing piece of drama or amazing piece of theatre. And I think. It's definitely, you know, something to create for change. It's about... And, um, like even, even with Fusil Vision, um, mm. it just proves that blind and partially sighted children can, can actually do drama and participate in it. Because I got told no a lot when I was growing up mm. that I couldn't do it. And, um, and, and, and now here I am, I've graduated uni, so... Exactly. You know. And if those kids see someone like you, who is someone like them, they will think, oh, if Darren can do it, who is a visually impaired person like me, there's no reason why I can't do it. So I guess that will be pretty inspirational to those kids and young people who are coming through 
and just start out and just thinking about what they want to do. Yeah, well, I can, I've known him for, you know, I can vote to inspire, yeah. I, can <laughs> to, uh, I can vote to motivate people, and uh, if they really want to get into drama, then I will try my best to make make sure they do. I will I, I, I will encourage them and support them, whichever way is appropriate for them. But also, even if the people, uh, young people or young adults mm. don't, don't necessarily want to go into drama as a career path, then I think it's also a great confidence boost, and it's a... Uh, and definitely, it gives you so much confidence mm-hmm. doing drama, and you just learn so much from it. And like, you learn social skills and yeah. the way you interact with different people. And it, it, I think it just sets you up socially for life because this level of confidence and like you can talk to people. And I've seen people start off in drama where they've been really shy and really, you know, like I yeah. don't do it. Don't, don't don't ask me to stand up in front of all these people. And by the end of it, they'll just be. Yeah, exactly. And there's a huge transformation there in a short period of time. And for you, is a facilitator. For you, the important thing with drama is you, you can't be afraid to look daft because everyone no, exactly. You, you can't, you can't, you can't sit in a room full of people or stand in a room full of people and say. I'm not going to do that because it's going to make me look stupid when everybody's doing the same thing so there's not that mm. social pressure to conform because everybody's yeah. you know everybody's just as nuts as each other I, I want to go back to the course a bit I, I'd just like to know what areas did you cover specifically on your apply to your degree yeah um, well, we we covered all sorts really. So, um, so certain groups of people like took on um, placements in, in different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in our last year it was a bit different, and some people didn't get to do it because of COVID. Yeah. Um, the first year, what we did is um, we went to. Oh, was it? It, it was a building called Seven Stories, and it's actually a library in Newcastle, and it's just the. The schools were, like, different schools would, would go there for, you know, a trip around. So there was yeah. just one school that went went there. And what we did is we, we planned out a, a, we told you a storytelling. Yeah. So we, so, we planned, so we planned out this big drama performance that was going to be a tour around seven stories. And it's actually near the library and it's called Seven Stories because there's seven floors that go up to it. That's cool. And the attic is where we had our main performance. Right. But before that, we had like different performances spotted around with different activities and things they could do, and little bits of interactive performances mm. along the way. Yeah. And, and that was we adapted a book um, called "The Boy Who's from the Piranhas." Uh, I think it might be David. Um, I, I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the author. <laughs> I think it's David somebody, but it's an awesome book called "The Boy Who's from the Piranhas." Piranhas, and I think it deals with a lot of loss as well because. Um, the boy in the story, he loses his parents and he has to live with his aunt and uncle. He's played Harry Potterish, I know, but um, so, so so he does lose his mm. parents, and I think it's like a tragic accident or something. But his but his aunt and uncle are really nice. The only thing is, it deals with gentrification as well because yeah. um, the uncle loses his job in the factory, and then he thinks, right, what can I do? And then he um, decides to create his own fish canning factory or whatever. Yeah. So so we, we did we um we, we put all the different scenes in the building. And, and then we did that, but also, like, different people choose what paths they want, like, through different open days and things. And, yeah. And you don't want to work with people with disability or people with 
learning disabilities or any, anyone who had any form of disability. So I worked with the Logan Day Company. I did a workshop with them. I only managed to do one workshop because of COVID-19. Oh, no. Uh, I know I was supposed to do four workshops. Right. Um, but unfortunately, because of COVID, the rest of them got cancelled. But I think they did get a lot out of that first one because what they wanted me to do coming in, they said that they wanted to work with identity. Yeah. Because, uh, they had some of their facilitators who were leaving to do other jobs and things. So they wanted to focus on who the group was and their identity as a group. And obviously me coming in as an outsider, I'm not going to say, well, this is who you are. I had to create different drama exercises and games you, you... that would get them to think about who they are. So we could create this document and like at the end of it, and, and they can say, well, even though these people are leaving, you know who you are as a group because yeah. you told us. It isn't me telling them who they are. It's them telling me through drama. It's your so job as a facilitator. It's your job as a facilitator to listen to that and it to really facilitate what those young people want to say rather than impressing a rather than kind of telling them what they should think or what they should do or what the correct answer is. It's more yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was like I, I was really careful not to impress my views upon them because that wasn't the point of the exercise. Yeah. Part of the exercise was to find out who, who they are. So, um, I, I did exercises um such as um the sun shines on, which is a, a lovely drama game. But I oh yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. I was like the sun shines on anyone who thinks that the Lone Moon Theatre Company is this or the Lone Moon Theatre Company is that. Yeah. And and the people would swap chairs when they when they agreed with the statement and then I'll get then I'll get them to say a statement that they felt about the Long Moon Theatre Company and how they thought it was and then they they would yeah. say that it was agreed with each other. So I was always getting them to come up with the ideas just because obviously I wanted it to all to come from them and to stem from mm. their personal experience. Oh, it's really important that they feel part of it and they feel involved. And having having graduated now um and reflecting back on what the course was did it kind of meet your expectations and how do you think it has prepared you for a career in the arts well meeting expectations is the funny thing really because uh i never really had the aspiration to do uh, applied theatre when I started actually so right. I guess it surpassed the expectations in the sense that it's given me a career path that I didn't necessarily thought I would have at the start of it so it's, it's, it's been a great journey going throughout and um, I, I, I can just like imagine just um, the teachers and everything the, the, like I can see them right now they're really great um, you know very, very supportive and I think it was just like a great atmosphere and you know, I, I I think if you can help people do, and, and if you can if you can give people advice, then you can just go and do it. Like you know, yeah. and that's definitely what the lecturers did. You know, um, anytime we wanted anything, if we wanted like even if we just wanted a conversation, and we what like you know we had their office hours, we would just go in, we'd knock on the door, we'd be like, hey Linda or hey whoever, we'd yeah. Be like, you know, I, I've got a question, or I'm just wor worried about something, or I was just wondering. Could you maybe help me out with this? And then mm -hmm. you know we sit down and we we talk talk it through. And I think definitely having the open open door policy with the with, with the lecturers yeah. definitely helps because they've been through it. They they 
they can advise and help and yeah and, and having all the other drama students around you as well i think de definitely because you can bounce ideas off each other and it's it's just a great experience yeah. uh, university and i would i would highly recommend it um but then again it isn't for everyone and if if it's not something that you feel mm. comfortable with then it's not it's not going to be for you but if you if you don't mind the kind of atmosphere of university yeah. I think definitely go for it to, to the people who, who are thinking of it because I I thoroughly enjoyed it and it was something that I got a lot out of. Do you feel that it's given you the platform then to to jump into your career now? It, it, it really has because I would never have thought about applied theatre before. I've never thought about it. Like <laughs> it, just, it just wasn't something that I've that, that, that I've done much of, and um, you know I think it's all to do with making connections as well. Yeah. Um, for job prospects because with um, useful vision I've actually started out doing uh, drama workshops with them and then when I went into college and did drama I was more volunteering because I was learning all these skills yeah so I was it, it sounds rude for me to say I was ahead of anyone else in, in it but I had all this knowledge and all this drama experience that I could put to good use in then yeah. useful vision useful vision and also the drama company were like Right, Darren, because you, you do drama at college, and then like later on, Darren, because you do drama at uni, they wanted me to actually vo vo volunteer within within them. So I did some I did some free volunteering for yeah. them, and um, we like you, you know they let me come up with my own drama games and and things like that. So yeah. and I got a built up a connection with the people from Celebration Station, who were the drama company that Useful Vision employed, and you, you know we had a good working relationship with me as a volunteer and them doing what they did. Mm. So. Even if it was just um, something as simple as the young people were creating their own story and I was writing it down into scenes and breaking it down for them. Yeah. And then I'd add my narration in just to give them a little cue for when they came on stage. It would be something, even just as simple as that. Yeah. Creating like drama exercises and it would be like, well, this one's to get them energised. This one's to get them to cool down a bit when they need to focus. This one's to get them to focus. Yeah. And this drama exercise can... Just get them to reflect on the session and what they need to do next. It's that thing um, with, when you're playing a yeah. session, you just need to work out what ex which exercise does what, and then you plan a bit of a face to the session. Well, that's what I've always found. It really yeah, does. Definitely. And it's all to do with the group of people because yeah, oh, yeah. one group of people might not necessarily work for the other group of people. Mm. It's, uh, it's, and it's, sometimes. It's, you've got to adapt your style. When you get there, because you might have an idea in your head yeah. what what it's going to be, but you always have to be prepared in case it's not like that when you actually get there, and yeah. you've got to adapt, and, and and that's just the way it is. You've got to be a very adaptable person in the field, and you've got to think on your feet and things like that. And <laughs> in terms of making this and creating work. Um, what kind of stuff are you interested in making? Um, what, what, do you think that making work will be an aspect of your career in the future? Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I, I really do want to, you know, get my hands in there and make performances. Because I feel like, you know, performances can be a great platform for, like you say, political change and the way people are viewed in society. Yeah. So whether that be someone with a disability, like no matter what disability they have, someone with a mental health condition, someone with, you, you know, whatever it is, I feel like that can really be a platform for change. If, yeah. Even if 
not a political piece, someone can still look at that and go, right, this person or these group of people who might have this condition, this disability, mm. this whatever it is, has still created this piece of theatre, and, 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 that, and that, that's great. But um, even, I think even if you don't create theatre, and you, and, and even within workshops, you're still giving people the experience, and you're giving them the room to grow yeah. up with it. And I think the drama experience is definitely, you know, something that people can take away from it, even if, even if they don't end up getting into drama, like I say. It's, exactly, it's, yeah. It, it, it has a positive impact on your physical health, your mental health and your well-being. I just think people underestimate sometimes how powerful it can be and what it does for people, even if they're not artists, as we would say, or even if they're not professionals. It can have a really big impact on people's well-being. I Sometimes the other kids would go, oh, well, I'm doing higher level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I took extra history classes. (laughs) And you're just doing drama because it's easy. But it's not. No. If you do drama correctly, nobody who does drama will say that drama is easy. Oh, it's hard. What it is, it's a great great tool for so many different things. And, you, you know, it's just... It's just such a great thing for your mental and physical well-being because some people like to see it as an escape as well. Definitely. No matter what's happening in your life, you can go into a drama room and express yourself and do all these great things or pretend to be someone else and and you're not worried about whatever else has happened. As soon as you get into that drama studio, you leave your worries behind, you, you get on with your work, and and you just enjoy yourself and definitely like, enjoy other people as well. That's that's the point of it. And you've been running these taster sessions with useful vision over Zoom during lockdown. As I haven't started yet. Our first one. Oh, right. Our first one is actually on Saturday. Okay. So we've had the planning meetings. We've had the planning meetings. So me and Claire from the Long Motor Thing Company, because it's like I say, it's with connections. So right. I, um, Obviously, Nidra knows about Fusil Vision before, then um, from Celebration Station. But the leader of Celebration Station is also, guess what, the head of the Long Road Theatre Company, who I did work for. That's convenient. We have that working relationship, which is absolutely Yeah. So now now they've seen what I can do, and they've kind of gone, right, Darren, now we want you to be a freelance drama facilitator. We We want to hire you. So I'm so so it's actually paid work I'm getting done. Oh, fantastic! I'm getting paid for actually, um, be, you know, be, being a paid worker rather than being a volunteer now. So it's that next level up. And and it, you know that feels like a bit. Or at least for me, it felt like a massive thing to get paid for it rather than just. It, it feels like you're being validated, or so, or at least it did for me anyway. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've I've never really needed much validation in in my drama, but in yourself, I feel like it's like, right, uh, uh, people have trusted me enough, they've liked what I've done before, they've they've seen me, and now people are actually willing to pay for my expertise, 
people are willing to pay for the knowledge that I have and for the things that I bring to the table. I feel like that that is definitely something that is, um, you, you know, very good. And it's it's going to be different this year because it's through Zoom. But we've yeah. we've, we've got we've got some great things planned over Zoom that we can do. <laughs> and then if the taster sessions go well, yeah, we've got three taster sessions. If those three taster sessions go well. So the first one's to get everybody used to Zoom and everything, and then the other one's going to be like a lot more fun. Then if those three sessions go really well, then we'll um, do a performance. So, oh, wow. And, uh, and, and, then I'll be, and then I'll be adapting a performance over Zoom as well. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So the first three are just going to be more like drama sessions and getting mm. people off their feet. And like, you know, people can still get off their feet and move around in front of the yeah. camera because, you know, it's like, you can play around with different levels and... And, 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 all, and all sorts of things, and you still yeah. up on your feet when you're on the camera. It's just, it's just having fun with it and playing around with it. Uh, and what are the challenges for blind and visually impaired people using Zoom and doing drama workshops over Zoom? Do you think? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie until it'll be really easy, but what I will say is that people, uh, blind visually impaired people, it's not their first time on a computer. No. A lot of people go, well, how are you supposed to use a computer? Well, I'm, 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 I'm registered for society and I've got a MacBook. So what I do is I zoom in. Um, there's different right. zoom features. Um, no, matter what, no matter what laptop or what device you have, the, um, a lot of people have visually impaired software. So right. there might be software that was bought for them by, by their parents or, 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 or like funding. Mm. quite expensive. Um, there's different um, Supernova, Guide, Jaws, they're just different names of different yeah. softwares you can get on your computer. So it reads it out to you. So you, uh, for the iPhone, for instance, you would swipe along the screen and it would read each icon for you. Right. And then if you want to connect it, you would double tap it and it would open the app. And then when you're in the app, it would read out all the text and the buttons on it. Yeah. And it was audible. So it, it's like if you can't use one sense, you use another. So you Death, use the yeah. And then there might be people with different levels because people think, oh, if you're blind, that means you can't see anything at all, which yeah. is not necessarily Certain people can see lights, but they can't see anything else. Certain people can see colours, but they can't see anything else. Um, certain people can see things, but it might be blurry. Um, so there's all these different levels to work with. And they will know themselves because they will have their yeah. own technology. Uh, for, for their computers and they'll be so used to using it by now it's not even going to face them and, and, and from a facilitation point of view taking into account the medium which is Zoom and taking into yeah. account people's varying levels of visual impairment does it change the way in which you facilitate a workshop? What? I think doing doing Zoom definitely does um, to change the way you do it. But then again, you can you can mute people on Zoom if they're not if if, if, um, if they're a bit too um, rambunctious or, 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 or yeah. they're not paying attention or they or, or, or they're devaluating everybody else's experience because like uh, it, it like even even visually impaired people can be naughty. You, you know it, it, it can be different. Like, and if you've got spotlighting. Which is, you know, you can you can spotlight different people, so you can yeah. focus on each person at a time. But the main thing that we said is that we're going to get people to wear their headphones because you get different right. people with different speeches on their computers, and 
Otherwise, you're going to have different computers talking over each other, and we won't be able to hear yeah. what they're doing on the, on the Zoom yeah. chat. So what we are going to do is we're going to say that if everyone could just wear their headphones, then the voice will be coming through on everybody's ears. It won't be, it won't be something that everybody else hears because the feedback would just be too much. Like the yeah, yeah, feedback. yeah. Yeah. Like, so it, it was like a, a session or 
it was a specialised session, then that's why they're paying you to come in because you have you have something that yeah. they don't have. But at the same time, you've got to be very respectful that like if you're going into a school, for instance, or a university, you've got to be very respectful that there's a hierarchy, which is, you know, the students and the teachers or the lecturers and the teachers and the lecturers have, you know, authority over the students and you yeah. are somewhere in the middle. So And you've got to toe that line and find that balance. Yeah, you have to find the balance because you still have to command respect. Yeah. At the same time as, you know, helping them because if 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 nobody respects you, then they're not going to listen to you, and they won't benefit. Yeah. And they won't benefit from what you have to offer because 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 there won't be the level of respect there. Absolutely, that that's really important to to know that. Yeah. I I want to move on slightly. I want to talk about yeah. your stand up a little bit. How 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 long have you been performing stand up comedy, and and how did you not start? Not long, Kieran. Not long. Um, I'll tell you how it happened. It's because in our second gym we got a bit, yeah. We, 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 we did we got to pick options. Um, I didn't fancy doing dance because I'm a big big heavy lad and I don't bend that way. <laughs> you know, I, I'm like, oh, no, not really. It's not really for me. And then. There was filmmaking and I thought, you know, with the editing that, because I'm, I'm not really great editing video, videos, it's something I've never done before. So I, I also thought that might be a bit uh, too challenging with, 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 with like my vision as well, like, you yeah. know, like seeing all the different frames and it would take too long and it would, um, like, I'm not, I'm not saying there's not ways around that because obviously there is, but for me, it's not something I've ever been interested in editing. Yeah. It's not something that I wanted to do. So it's something that I haven't been prepared for. And obviously someone who, who was, you know, they, 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 they yeah. obviously, if, you, no matter what vision impairment they got, they could still do it. But then the third one was stand-up and cabaret. And I've always wanted to try stand-up. <laughs> I, I've watched all the comedians and I've always wanted to do it. And I just thought, look, Darren, if you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. You've got the yeah. opportunity here to do it. Let's do it. So I started writing some stand-up and I performed at university in my second year. And then I want to talk about. It, but and then I, I continued it doing like mm. I, I did a cabaret night. Yeah. Um, what one of my what one of my friends, my my classmates, she was for her final stall. She put on a cabaret night. That was her end of year project. Yeah. And then I went along to that, and I just never really enjoyed. I, I want to talk about the process a little bit. So, when you were writing, okay. when you were writing your material. Yeah. Um. What is your process? Like, I don't want to say where does the idea come from, but like, how how do you go from, oh, thinking, oh, that'd be funny, and then turning that into material? I think it's right about what you know, and then it, it comes to the thing with making notes and having a notebook, I can't tell you how valuable this is as a drama worker to have a notebook to <laughs> and like, people can go all around about, about the laptops and whatever. Yeah. I think like writing things down is invaluable, and so there's a, there's this little um technique called speed writing where you know you have your ideas in your head and then you write you write down a constant stream. Uh, it's like the stream writing. So you you, you, you I'm, I might be using the wrong word for it, but this this is honestly what you do. You, you write down ten minutes straight what you want to say, and then you take you, you take what you have mm. and you edit it down and you and you add your bits into it and you're like right this is what I've got. 
let's make it more funny. Let's add in those dramatic pauses. Let's add in, um, you know, like the punch lines. Yeah. Let's add in, you know, like different different things into it. And then, yeah, I think a lot of it is writing what you know. So for me, it was, well, what do I know? I know, I know being visually impaired. Um, I know being gay because I'm a massive homosexual. That's just, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know being overweight. I know, um, you know, all these different things. So how can I do, how can I use these and make them funny? And then I just started writing and writing and writing. And then I was like, well, what things have I found funny? in these situations, what yeah. things have I found personally funny, and how can I make people laugh with them, and, and that's all it was for me. I, I guess it's like having that unique perspective as a visually impaired gay larger guy. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> my, my first opening line, whenever I've been doing my performances, is I'm a triple threat. Now, I don't mean singing, acting, and dancing. I mean, I'm gay, I'm fat, and I'm black. That is literally my <laughs> opening line. And then I just go into it, and then I explain it, and then, you know, hopefully people find it funny. I mean, if they don't, obviously humor is subjective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have had a comedy night where I've done my performance, and everyone's been like, you know, just, just very unenthusiastic. How, how does that make you feel? When you have a night where it kind of falls flat, and it doesn't go the way you want it, how does that affect you? How does that make you feel? Uh, I, I try not to take it too personally, to be honest, because it's just different people, and then you've got to, you've got to constantly adapt. It's like, it's like the adapting thing to facilitation, it really is, because um, it's different audiences, but you've got to find universal themes, I think. That are, um, yeah. You've got to find universal themes that everyone's going to be able to understand, and I think because everyone knew me at university when I started off, and then I was talking about, you know, like, the whole like visual impairment thing and I was making fun of it and making light of it and then maybe going into then maybe going into a wider audience because that's that, that's the one I, I didn't get as many laughs I still got some good laughs I just didn't get as many as I wanted yeah. and that was when um, so there was this Red Roll Festival it was in um, it was this comedy club in Newcastle and I registered and, and, and I went into it and you, you know I think you just got to learn from your mistakes, and, and and that's what it was. I was a bit disappointed that it didn't turn out as well as I'd like. Then it's managing expectations, managing different audiences, and you know you just you just got to bounce back up again. Because if definitely if you if if you quit every time you failed at something or every time you something didn't go your way, you wouldn't get anywhere. It's about perseverance, like everything, you know. You're gonna, especially in our industry, you're gonna get rejection. You got lunch, you would be It's just a job. It's like if we're in drama, as in life, you want to get rejected. You've got, you've got to bounce back up and, and just get on that horse again. My dad always said to me, you know, Darren, he said, Darren, when you're. Uh, when first you don't succeed, try and try again. Yeah. And then try once more. <laughs> and, and you know. Um, I'm going to refer to my notes slightly because I forgot what point I was going to make. Uh, yeah, so in your set, you kind of, you created kind of stand-up and VI awareness performance called The Blind Truth. How did you kind of balance the comedy and the raising awareness of visually impaired issues? And not making it not making it too preachy, if you know what I mean by that. 
kind of thing and making yeah, light yeah. of it and, and like not taking it too seriously and the other thing I would say is people are left afraid a lot of the time of getting it wrong and what you did was put them in a position where they can't get it wrong or say the wrong thing and they yeah. feel completely out of their depth when they're trying on these things. No, no, nobody could get it wrong. There wasn't, wasn't a right way or wrong. Exactly. It was, it was, it, it, like, I even gave people the opportunity to, to volunteer. So I was like, so I said to them, I was like, you know, you, you can you can come up and you can try them or you can not try them. 
Like, that's up to you. I'd appreciate if some, somebody did. Um, otherwise, you know, I can end the show right now where I can just <laughs> tell you about them because, you know, it's one way or another. Yeah. So, so it made people, like, just think, like, oh, well, I don't have to try them on, but also if I do, then I can raise my hand. And I did get quite a few people every show um, I did because I, I did the show about four times. Um, and, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like it was, it was a nice way of doing it. And it taught people a little something at the same time making it funny um, and, and just having a laugh for it. Even, even the bit where people were trying on the goggles and mm. doing the game, mm. it was funny for people watching it because they see people um, struggling to be blind yeah. for the first time and walking into stuff. <laughs> and as a blind person or like a vision impaired person, I can say that some, like seeing someone else walk into shit is funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just <laughs> objectively <laughs> funny. <laughs> It's objectively funny. It, 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 I don't know why, but I think that kind of relaxed people as well. And then once one person went, then someone else wanted to try because because someone else had already done it, and they'd seen how completely not scary it is. Exactly, and it breaks down those barriers a bit as well. Um, I get, have you got any more? Do you want to do more stand up when you can after this pandemic? I, I, I have thought about doing a lot more stand-up. I've, I've, I've done a little bit of writing here and there. But yeah. I, I think, you know, I think this new lockdown, what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm, I'm, I'm gonna spend some time writing. Yeah. So I'm writing this new stand-up and see how far I get with it. And using the experiences I've had during the last lockdown and this one, and time yeah. in between, I might, might write some current, some really current stuff Perfect. and, and, and see, see how that goes. But, um, well, good luck with it. Like, if I have an appeal way, I'll come to you. Um, I want to ask you as well, in terms of disabled artists coming out of this yeah. pandemic, how do you think that the coronavirus is going to affect disabled artists and the likelihood that theatre companies will employ disabled artists? Um, I, I think it's going to depend on the person's disability, the one they have, and how adept they are at managing that, and what support network they have. Mm. Because um, I, I know a lot about vision impairment. I don't know a lot about other disabilities, although I would like to. Yeah. And that's something that is a drama facilitator. You can you can kind of uh, get more experience as you go, and like you know, the more you expose people to disabilities, you can, you can yeah get used. To but I, I think. Um, it all depends on the person and their personality. I think if if you haven't got like a crippling or, or like life threatening disability, and you, you know you, you're fairly confident, mm. and then then you can you you know just go out and, and do your same thing, just wear your mask and hand sanitize. Um, you know, disabled people like you know we're just the same as everyone else. Yeah. Everyone just we're just the same. Like you know. Um, you know, I'm a, it's like they're saying, like, my comedy or, 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 like, my blind performance, whatever. It's like, you know, just because, just because my eyes doesn't, doesn't work doesn't mean downstairs doesn't work. And exactly. People think it's weird or, or people don't understand, like, oh, well, how do you know you're gay if you can't see very well? I'm like, <laughs> I just did. <laughs> no, oh. seriously. You've been told that. Seriously. Yeah, and, and literally, like... <laughs> Because like oh they're like oh, how can you be disabled and gay or how can oh you be you know, and I'm like I don't oh. fit into one box. And, and yeah, this is the thing like don't fit into one box. 
People. Yeah. Um, 
Well, it's just that, um, you know, we'd have to blow things quite up and you might struggle a bit. And if it wasn't for your soul vision and meeting Jonathan before, I wouldn't have the confidence to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be doing drama and that is my option. That's what I'm taking. That's what yeah. I'm going to do. And, 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 and um, she says, yes, but don't you feel like that you'd have a lot more stuff blowing up and, and everything anyway? So then I actually started to challenge her. I said, so, so um, I'm supposed to get things blown up for me, like in law, blown up for me, in law, yeah. not like, you know, literally blowing things up. But, um, <laughs> but I, 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 said, I said to her, I was, I was like, so you have to blow up things for me anyway, uh, you have to large documents for me anyway, don't you? Um, as a requirement by, by law, that's what you're required to do. She went, yes. Yeah. I was like, okay, before, be, be, before you go on, let, let me answer you know, the question. Um, no matter what the subject is, I'm still entitled to my support teacher yeah. in all my sessions, aren't I? She went, yes. And so I said, well, what's the problem then? And literally, she, 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 she was having a thing. And she was, and you could see all the comments. Oh, she was like, she was like, you know what, Darren? If you want to do job, you, you, you do job. And like, literally, she tried to tell me no. And like, how can the head teacher mm. of a school go to someone with a disability and tell them that drama it's, is it's not It's ableism, and I guess what you're saying is don't take no for an answer. Um, you have the confidence to speak up for yourself. Just you, you know. Have the, have, have the confidence in your own convictions. Be, be like, well, this is me. This is what I have to offer. Yeah. I want to try it. It's better to it's better to try and fail at something than to have never tried at all. Because it, it, it's like if you if you go on an audition and, and you're too scared to go to the audition, you won't get the part. Now, yeah, if, yeah. If you go to the audition, you might still not get the part anyway. But what's the difference between you not getting the part and going to the audition? And you not going to the audition at all? You might, you might as well try because then at least there's, then at least you know there's a chance. Yeah. And and, and that's all we want. Thank you, Dan. It's been fab catching up after so long. It's been great <laughs> seeing you. Too, too. you. Thank you for coming on. It's been great. <laughs> it's, been, it's been amazing, and um, you know, <laughs> hopefully you can have some more uh, Zoom calls and catch up. I, I would definitely be up for that. But thank you for listening to this episode of the In Lockdown With podcast. On the next episode, I will be talking to Nikki Miles Wildin, who is the Associate Director of Grey Eye Theatre Company in London. But until then, I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown With. The podcast is written, produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.